Hey everyone, your boy Lamar L.A. Smith is back. So I haven't posted in a little over a month. A large part of it is I've just been in a rut. I don't know if any of you been in a rut recently, but it's just I've been in that funk where haven't been necessarily motivated to do anything, whether it be write, podcast, post on social media. But this week has been a really good week. You know, I'm vibing at a high frequency. So I was like, why not drop a podcast episode? So this podcast episode, I've really been sitting on for months, for months. And it's with someone who I've known for a while on social media, as well as she probably... Not probably, let me not lie. She has one of my most favorite social media accounts. Everything is gorgeous. I love her travel videos. You may know who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to spoil it. Just listen to the episode. But yeah, I'm coming back harder, stronger, faster. Whatever Kanye said in that song, stronger. Or was it power? That's beside the point. But yeah, Lamar L.A. Smith is back. Maybe I'll do more of these intros in the future. But I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to leave you to the episode. Hope you enjoy. Hey, I'm your host, Lamar L.A. Smith, and welcome to another edition of the Jack of All Trades podcast. Today, I'm with Sarah Dandeshi, a verified travel expert and former award-winning, whew, my French is awful, Les Cles Dior concierge with over 18 years of luxury hotel experience. She's now gone beyond the traditional concierge desk has brought her travel advice to the digital space, establishing a 200K plus social media following and continues to work with some of the leading brands in the travel industry. Whew. Now, personally, I've been following you for a while now and anytime I see you talking about anything travel related, I'm just like at all because I didn't know there was this much depth to the traveling industry. As well as uh, you do a good job of giving all of us uh, some cases of FOMO with the the great places you get to travel to. So I'm just like, wow. <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me on. But um, but yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, the travel industry is so nuanced. It's so large. And, um, you know, my background is is working very much in it, you know, certainly more from like the luxury hotel experience. And then over, you know, the past year, obviously, travel has seen its biggest challenges and changes that it's ever really seen. And um, and so, yeah, so very much over this past year has been like, how how can I be um, how can I best advocate the industry as a whole and encourage people that it's okay to travel so long as you travel responsibly, not to be scared, to, to power yourself with knowledge is always my whole thing when it comes to it. So, um, so yeah, so I definitely, a, a mix of sharing some solid information, but then also, you know, certainly when I get to travel as well too, 
help, hopefully help inspire people to book their next trip and get back out there. No, I definitely understand that COVID has changed the landscape of how everyone does everything. Correct. So I definitely, definitely can understand that. Now, today, I just want to talk about your life and how you got into the traveling industry. And you appeared on the Kelly Clarkson show, Good Day LA, regular TV appearances, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, all that good stuff. Yeah. But with all these interviews, episodes, always like to peel back the curtain and want to start with how was your childhood growing up? Like, how was that? Yeah. Um, so what a lot of people, I mean, it depends on, on how in depth they follow, but, um, I'm actually half Lebanese. So, um, half of my family lives in the middle East and in Europe. And so, although I was born in the States, as soon as my passport came in the mail, which was like three weeks after I was born, um, was on a flight to Saudi Arabia. And I lived in Saudi Arabia until I was six. And then, um, my parents separated. Then I moved with my mom to London, England, then uh, work brought her to Atlanta. So then I was in Atlanta, Georgia from eight to 18. Um, went to college in DC uh, at Georgetown, lived a very brief- Hey, Hoya, Hoya. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm from DC, so oh, I know, you know all about Georgetown. You know all about those Georgetown Hoyas. So, um, so yeah, and then I lived in New York briefly and then pretty much LA for the past 15 years. So um, as you can see, my background is very much like, I, I kind of say like, travel was like in my DNA. I mean, that yeah, was, I believe so I too. set out to, but, and it's funny. Cause like most people look at me and they're like, Oh, she's like from middle America, like all this. And it's like, yeah, actually um, my middle name's Mohammed, but that's cool. We can like, there's a little bit more flavor happening here. All right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, my, my childhood, I was very, it was, by, by the way, what I will say is that it was not easy being a kid and moving around that much, it's, it is challenging. You're always the new kid and with different cultures and the different like schooling systems. And like in one area, you might be more advanced than other kids. And in other areas, you might be less advanced. And it, it certainly was challenging. And I was always the odd one out. Um, but I think with that, um, at a very young age, it just taught me to kind of really like, uh, take a look at people, you know, take a look at people and like really learn how to read them. And then also just like knowing like what that is like to be that outsider, whatever that might be, however you grew up, there's always going to be something that might make um, somebody stand out a little bit differently than others. And so um, it sounds glamorous now, (laughs) but like definitely as a kid, like it was challenging for sure, but I'm so grateful for it. It's a whoa. What was like some of your biggest challenges with that? Like outside of, like you said, traveling was in your DNA. So it was like you were always on a plane moving here, moving there. Yeah, I mean, well, the, I mean, my my family lives like internationally. So it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's like, if you want to see your family, you just go to uh, where they are. So it's not, that's not weird. Um, but the challenges would be like, there would be cultural challenges. For example, like when I moved to London, um, this is such a weird story, but I, I have my, uh, I think it was my seventh birthday party, my seventh or eight. Yeah. My seventh birthday party at a pizza hut, <laughs> um, and had everybody out. We had all the kids out and like, like good little British children. They were all waiting to, for me, because it was my birthday to take the first bite. So everybody's waiting and I'm like, all right, cool. So I go to pick up the pizza 
It was like, that's how we as Americans eat pizza. And they all gasp. <gasps> and I'm just like mortified. <laughs> I'm mortified. And the girl next to me, um, an Indian girl like leans over and, and I'll explain why in just a second. She, she would lean over and she was like, so here we eat our pizza with a knife and fork. And I'm just like, I put it down and I pick up my knife and fork and then I take the first bite. And I just say that just because it's like, uh, like they very, very much like being in, in London, like you are an outsider. Like if you are not British and if you don't look a certain way, if you don't like fit certain whatever demographics, like the, the kids like were very much, um, they would put you in a different box. And so I was always just like one of the outsiders. And then another thing, um, yeah, I mean, even moving to Atlanta and like, that was really jarring for me because basically I was now finally living in the US for the first time. How old were you? At this I was time? eight. Oh, wow. I'm eight. So I'm living, but like I had lived internationally, but I identified as American because I was American, yeah. but I never lived in the US. So then to move to Atlanta and like to take in all of that, like it was just a very different it was a very different experience than, you know, anywhere that I had lived. So there was always these sort of like cultural changes. And, you know, just again, at that young age, you kind of have to like stop and take it in. And then, and then you just become really good at reading people, you know, and, and understanding like what makes people tick because like you kind of have to, because you're kind of like forced to be like, whether it's this wallflower or like sitting on the sidelines, like watching like other people or, if they make hurtful comments, because kids make hurtful comments, like why they do that, you know? So, I mean, all in all, you know, my upbringing definitely led me to a very different view of a lot of things. And at a very young age, I think I was far more, for a lack of a better way of saying it, like far more mature mm -hmm. and open-minded and cult cultured, you could say. Mm -hmm. um, but then the, the hard side, the challenges were always being that outsider. Yeah. So I mean, kind of in a nutshell. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, yeah, I've obviously I'm not as well traveled as you, but as someone who has traveled, you know, a fair amount mm -hmm. for most people in my, you know, age range, I feel like, especially with my background, that I do feel like traveling opens your mind to the yeah. world. Because Definitely. I feel like when you grow up and you, let's say you live in Idaho and let's say yeah. you lived in Idaho for 18 years, when you first leave Idaho is like this culture shock. Yep. Whereas like if in your situation, and I know this happened to me a lot, when you're traveling all these different places, it's like you're no longer in a bubble. Like when you grow up and you live somewhere for 18 years, that's your bubble. So the more times you step outside your bubble, then your your bubble is like slowly Expands. expanding. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, in this area, this is how I act because this is how people act. In this area, I had to be a little bit more abrasive because if I don't, then I'm going to just be SOL. Like I'm going to get walked all over. Yeah. This area, I could be a little bit nicer because it's okay to be nice in this situation. So it's all like uh, this big like learning experience where you're just figuring out how to interact with different people and how to do different things based off of how your environment is set up. 
completely, completely. I mean, and that's really like the whole thing. And, and I think really why I've always just been an advocate of traveling because people can learn so much. Um, and so it is, uh, it, I arguably say it's like, it's one of the best forms of education, you know? Um, so I mean, and obviously like there's so many nuances to that as well too, but, um, but yeah, there's, I, I love how you're describing about how you just like, every time you do it, you're like opening up your bubble a little bit more and more and more. So definitely agree. All right. So I didn't know this before we got on the call, but I'm glad you brought this up because this was my next question about Georgetown. Yeah. What's up? It's home because obviously that's where my home is. Yeah. So what was it like going to Georgetown? Oh, it was, it was amazing. Um, I mean, look, it, it was hard. I was in the school of foreign service, mm -hmm. uh, there, which is like the fancy international relations school. I always had like a passion for sort of like film and TV, but I, because of my upbringing, like international relations just made sense. So my specific major was culture and politics, which was this beautiful blend of, you know, if you think about what's culture, culture is, it, it can be music film, TV, all fashion, all of those things. I almost kind of like to, to think, if you think about culture and politics, if politics are maybe like, let's just say the skeleton or like the framework of like society, culture is like, it's like the meat, you know, it's like, it's like the, the muscle, you know, it's like kind of what like fleshes out and fills out um, society and they, and they work together. They very much work together. Um, but it was, you know, it was interesting. It was challenging. It's not, it's definitely not an easy school. Um, but it was where, I don't know. It just like, it, it was where I needed to be at that time. Um, and I mean, again, like so many great memories and, um, yeah, I mean, it's like George, I'm like, I have, it's so interesting because it's like, I just have like such big, like school pride. Like I'm like, George had Hoya is like, it, it's such a specific thing uh, to get to go there and experience it. And um, yeah, I mean, I could go on. I don't know. Do you have other questions about Georgetown? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but first, before I get to my next question about Georgetown, I, I can obviously feel the Hoya energy because <laughs> outside of like myself, I obviously missed when, uh, we were really, 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 really good at basketball, yeah. like far as Georgetown. Like I caught some of it being, you know, 2007, they made a run to the final four, I'm pretty yeah. sure. And then when I was born was the year the AI was drafted. Uh, but outside of knowing about the history, I've never like experienced, you know, that kind of aura. But to get off the sports part of it, uh, far as when it comes to travel, like, did you know that you wanted a career in the travel industry when you had that major with culture and politics? Like, how did that kind of shape? Um, no. So it's, it's all been like a really interesting journey, but it's kind of like, you know, when you, whenever you look back on your life and you see these like pivotal moments or these decisions that you made that you might not have thought it was a big deal. And it's just like, you just made this decision. And the next thing you know, you're like, that was a big life decision. Um, were influenced so much. So, um, so okay, while I was going to school, obviously Georgetown is, um, how do I put this? Uh, <laughs> whatever, I'll just say it. Uh, a lot of very privileged people get to go to Georgetown. Oh, 100%. It costs like <laughs> so, 60K a year to go to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, 
And although I had a lot of amazing experiences myself growing up and growing up so so internationally, that was not necessarily, uh, I didn't identify with a lot of the students. That to me didn't, it felt like it was a bubble mm -hmm. and it didn't feel like real life. So uh, I, and um, I always wanted to have a, a, a job because I, to me, it's like, as a, if I'm working somewhere else, that to me was real life. And so I worked my entire time while I was going to school. At, at one point in my last year, I was actually bartending and uh, assistant producer on a morning show on a, like, on a morning show on a radio station, like clear channel radio station. So like a real radio show. Um, so I was like never sleeping. But like for me, I, what always drove me is I needed a sense of like, real life. Yes, I went to school with the, I, I could say famous last names and you could just imagine who they are, but like Trump's, Bloomingdale's, Seagram's, like I mean, you I'm name not it. surprised. Like they were all in my class yeah. and that's great and it's fine, but it was like that, like I went to public school in Atlanta and I had a great like experience with that, but it was just like, okay, this is very different. So I always worked. So how I got into travel is I had been working uh, at a restaurant down the street, uh, Paolo's. I don't know if you remember that restaurant, um, but it's right there in Georgetown. And my cousin uh, on my dad's side of the family, so a Lebanese cousin, he had gone to hotel school in Switzerland and he was working at the Four Seasons in Washington, D.C. Oh. And so at 19, he was like, well, why work at this restaurant and get paid $9 an hour when you can work at the Four Seasons and get paid $15 an hour? And I'm like, $15 an hour? I'd be rich. So <laughs> as you say, when you're 15, when you're 19. Yeah. So I started working at the Four Seasons while going to school. So I'd, I'd have my classes. I'd work at the Four Seasons. Um, and it was, a, um, as far as getting into hotels, it was a great way to get introduced to luxury hospitality. Four Seasons in general as a company does a great job of onboarding people. And so to really kind of get into it and to have the very, um, a very rigid or, or like a very, I should say more so a very structured way of like delivering service. It was a great introduction to it. And so I worked there like while I went to school. And then, as I mentioned, I also then was working in, um, you know, radio as well too, and going to school and working in a hotel and <laughs> all this stuff. But uh, when I ended up moving out to LA, I was like, okay, I really liked what I got, the environment that I got in a hotel versus say like working at a restaurant. So then I ended up working in hotels. And shortly after I moved to LA, a general manager made me a concierge. And I was mm -hmm. like, like I was like 21 and he was like, yeah, what do you, you, I think you make a good concierge. And I knew what a concierge did. And we can talk about that in a minute, but I was like, I'm 21. You want me to like help really, 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 really wealthy people spend their money in Beverly Hills. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> I didn't say that by the way. Anyway, he was, I was more of like, I just moved to LA. Do you like, uh, I just want to be honest. He's like, I know you did. He's like, but you can handle it. And so that was kind of how I like started, like really got into my whole hotel career when I moved out to Los Angeles. But I started in it while I was going to school at Georgetown. Oh, wow, that did answer my next question because I was about to say like, how did you become a, a concierge? A concierge yeah. yeah, so I mean, my whole thing again, like is like I always had this passion for film and TV. So even though like I got an education in 
in you know culture and politics like that i i wanted something you know that for me it was like that that's what drives me that's like what i get excited about and so i moved out to la to pursue more film and tv um and then the day job was working at a hotel so but i found out that i was actually really good at being a concierge uh it was fun and um and I didn't have to know all the answers, but I knew how to find the answers. And I was resourceful and I was positive and, and I met amazing people along the way um, to then kind of like fast forward a little bit to kind of bring everybody up to speed as far as like where I am now. Um, about eight years ago, I had, so I, I worked at uh, the Lermitage in Beverly Hills, which is five star, five diamond. Then I worked at the peninsula in Beverly Hills, which was at the time, definitely the pause best. real quick. I don't normally do this, but what does five diamond mean? Because I've never heard that term before. Oh, five star, five diamond. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So basically, so five star in essence is like the level of service. Yeah. Um, and then five diamond basically is like um, it's how they rate the facilities. Ooh. Yeah. So if you're five star, five diamond, that's like you are top notch all the way around. Mm. Yeah, Interesting. exactly. There okay. you go. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and then the more recent hotel that I had ended up working at was the London in West Hollywood, which is like, cool. It's a, it's, it's pretty hip. It's like, it, it's a great place, but it was a boutique hotel. I say this because about eight years ago, just as like, everything was kind of taking off, like with Instagram and other things, I was like, well, I actually have been taking a writing course. And the instructor was like, everybody has to do a vlog, do a vlog on what you're an expert in. And I'm like, I like to work out and eat healthy, but I'm like, not that guru. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll talk about, and he was like, think about what you get asked about all the time on a regular basis. And I'm like, I get asked about what to do in LA and what to eat, see and do in LA. This is going to be stupid, but whatever. I'm just doing it for an assignment. Uh, I guess I'll call it ask a concierge. So really my brand came up. I came up out of uh, an assignment and I started basically doing videos as far as like literally what to eat, see and do in LA. So like, these are my picks for top romantic restaurants in LA. If you wanna do, um, get a cool tour of the city, you can do this. If this is like romantic date ideas, whatever, whatever nonsense that I would have to talk about all day long at work, I just created them into little videos. And then it kind of grew from there and then, now I work with, uh, you, then I start working with brands across the country, filming in cities around the country, with hotels around the country, uh, and then now, uh, now more so internationally. And then last year, obviously with the pandemic, I couldn't travel as, nobody was traveling as much. Yeah. Uh, so I shifted more to doing like updates for TV. And th so that's why I do now a lot of news, just kind of like talking about like what the changes are. But as you can see, it's been an evolution. And all too often people will look at like where somebody is now and they're like, I want to do that or how'd they get there? And it's like, yeah. well, wait, let's dig deep and see yeah. like all the different steps to like get there. And the series of like, never, you know, like for, for people that are listening, it's like, I always say like, never underestimate like the power of one decision because you can make one decision and it can change so much for you. And like, for me, I made the decision last year to do on Instagram because I, what was I going to, how often was I going to be like, oh, I miss travel. Like, yeah. Okay. Me and everybody else. Like that's boring. That's stupid. You yeah. know, it's like, how can I power people with knowledge and information? And so I started doing these travel industry updates last year when nobody was really going out and able to travel. 
And it changed so much for me in my career. So again, it's like all these different steps where it's like you make this one decision and it can be like, boop, it just like helps like take your career to like the next level. Yeah, I know. Sorry. No, Sorry. no, you're, you're funny. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> I mean, a couple of things to highlight what you said that caught me is I do think that, like you said, making that one decision will change your life. And I yeah. think that in everyone's lives, there's always at least sometimes it may be multiple, but there's always at least that one decision that always if you make it. Your life is going to be incredible. And if you don't make it, then your life can be mundane. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've, I've had several, I would say moments like that thus far. And the first moment I feel like that happened to me was when I decided to go to the University of Kentucky, because I was a guy that was from DC. I've been to other trips, like on college tours and stuff like that in other states and all of that good stuff. But that was still kind of my bubble in a, in a retrospect. Of course. And, you know, me leaving to go to Kentucky led to me going to ASU, led to me writing my book, which my experience on University of Kentucky's campus inspired the book. So if I never chose to go to University yeah. of Kentucky, don't know where I would be today. So exactly. I definitely, definitely think that's pretty funny. That, that domino that. effect. It's a domino effect. One thing leads to another, like you said. Yep, exactly. So because I brought up a book, I know you're writing a book. I am. I am. I'm literally today, I'm fi finalizing formatting it. We had some formatting issues. Like the book's been written and it was like this and this and this. So um, we're just kind of like formatting it, making sure it's like all good. And then uh, it should be released. Like I should have like a pre-sale date. Oh, my guess is hopefully within the next two weeks. Okay, um, okay, okay. It's been a little bit of a, a the everything. There are a lot of moving parts with it, as you know. Um, but yes. I'm really excited about it. So we're finally nearing the finish line. For, formatting is a yeah, it's something else. Like you it's think amazing. it's kind of like it's just oh, like can't y'all figure that out? Like why well, do the other parts for the book? But it's very important because you want you want your book to look a certain way. You want the text to be a certain size and all of that. And if it's not the way you want it, or it's a way that isn't that great to look at or read yep. it can change the flow of how the book reads 100%. not only how you look at the book when you get it like it's yeah. so funny that you say that because like it came back to me and they're like cool what are your notes we formatted it and i was like huh <laughs> this does not look good so I'm like, give me an editable version, please. And then I'm going to like handle it. So that's where I'm at with it again, you know, and, and it's tough. I, I will say, first of all, in doing a book, A, it's such a rewarding experience, but B, I now understand why people get ghostwriters and they do all this other stuff because yeah. if you're running a full-time, I mean, I, I, it's not uncommon for me to work 12, 14, 16 hour days. Like I do that most of the time. I don't really have days off. Um, my days are like long, weird. I travel, I'm on a plane. Like I might have like a pocket where like I get like a lunch with somebody and that was like my time off for the day. Like, it's like, I don't have like a normal, normal thing. And so there's nothing worse than when you're working those 12, 14 hour days to be like, cool. Now I get to focus on the book. 
I'm so not fresh. I already have 14 hours worth of the day that I have done so much. I've given so much of myself. But um, so it, it, I will say like that part has been so challenging. Um, but again, it is so rewarding. And I was like, whatever, I'm still doing it myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I can definitely empathize with that because I know this is what I've been running to, through with my second book is because writing a book when you get meetings and work oh. and all this other stuff it's like dang we're the yeah, first book i was still in school so when i wasn't taking classes i had all the time in the world to write but now it's just like but i'm i'm getting closer and closer and closer to being done the first draft and That's awesome. once i'm done the first draft i feel like everything won't be easy but slightly easier because I'll just focus on revising certain parts instead of yeah. trying to think of all these ideas from scratch this time. Exactly. It's good. And you've also done it before. So you know what to expect. As a, very true. So what's, what's your book about? Is it travel related? Like, uh, Yeah, it's hospitality. So it's called Hospitality from Within. And um, so it's just kind of like dissecting like what it is that like, what is that special sauce? Like when we, we know what good hospitality yeah. is. We know when we go to a restaurant, we know when we go to a hotel, we're like, that was awesome. But, you know, but then breaking that down a little bit more, why was that awesome? What was that personalized experience? What does genuine service mean? Like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? So understanding that a little bit more. So it is more of, you know, in essence, like I would say probably like a B2B book, like for other people in the industry that are either like wanting to get into hospitality or people that have been in hospitality. And I will say it, it, it is, um, it's a very demanding industry and, um, and people get burnt out. So hopefully um, by, you know, kind of reading this, it can like reignite that little bit of that spark of like, why we, we all got into it in the beginning, like what we love, like, what do we love about like being of service? And, um, and then there are also, amazing uh, stories from other concierge colleagues of mine because hmm. the way I see the hospitality industry it's not like one person's story like a there's fraternity so, yeah yeah well then there's so many people like moving parts and everybody's like it's not one person that got something done it was like 10 people that got the one thing done so paying you know respect to that you couldn't just have my story because my story is yeah. just it's so one-sided but to have all of these other people just kind of adds all this more um, colors and depth to it that I think gives just a different side of it. So I'm excited for it to come out. It's going to be good. Oh, I also forgot to mention this earlier, but the film and TV background or yeah. wanting to do that. I'm not that surprised because when you because when I see your videos on Instagram of your travel updates, yeah, like you look very natural in front of the camera, and not <laughs> everyone is. Yeah, no, most people are not natural. It's not natural in front of the camera because people think because you're a good public speaker that you'll be great on camera. Nope. And those two worlds are not vice versa. By the way, different vice, talents. Vice versa. So I've had a lot of people that were like, "Oh." um you're great on camera you're this you'll be great to, at public speaking and when I had my first like real like speaking engagements I worked at it 
I definitely worked yeah. it. Now it's different and, and they are different skills and you are performing in, in performing in a different way. But um, yeah, so a lot of people are like, wow, you're really good on camera for like a hotel girl. And I'm like, thanks. Like, you have to add the hotel girl part. Yeah, I, get, you know? I get what you're saying. No, but, that, but I'm saying is like for people that like, I have obviously such a diverse background and I've always, I always joke that I've always had like 25 jobs because that's like just how I am. Like I, I like, I'm always like, I've always been doing some crazy hustle. And so like I would work full time, like at a luxury hotel. And then I would like come home and like change and then go do like sketch comedy up until like oh, wow. in the morning and then turn around and go back to a hotel all like buttoned up and be like, absolutely my pleasure, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd be on stage, like <laughs> getting all crazy. So um, because of having all of these different experiences, people, depending on where they've started following along on the journey, they might not necessarily have put two and two together that they're like, oh, you're great on camera for, for a, a hotel girl. And it's like, that's because I've been doing stuff on camera for 15 years, like as an actor. So, you know, and then vice versa. People were like, oh, you're so polished whatever so it just depends on where they join on the journey but you know more to uncover <laughs> fair 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 that i mean that makes perfect sense to me mm -hmm. so hmm, out of everything that you've done thus far what can you say has been either the most rewarding or one of the most rewarding parts of your journey thus far Oof. Anytime I get a message from anyone that I've inspired them to like do something different or to go outside of their comfort zone or to think about things differently, like anytime that I've been able to inspire some sort of movement of an, any needle, whatever that needle is, um, uh, that to me is rewarding because that means like, like I, I want to inspire people to just like think about things a bit differently or to have that courage to, whether it's to make that trip or to, um, to, to just do something different, develop a personal brand, change a job, whatever. So that to me is always the most rewarding thing, um, to inspire that change in somebody else. Um, but then like the other things are like when I've set like personal goals for myself and I do them and I'm like, I did it. I did it. That's awesome. You know? And so um, that's kind of like the personal side of things as, as well too. But I mean, I, I think that whenever you kind of find something that like you're passionate about and you are, are looking to, to make a, a positive impact, anytime that you can, can do that, it's, it's rewarding tenfold. <laughs> yeah, that is very, very, very true. I mean, like you said, if you don't take that leap, like when will you take it? Like oh, yeah. nothing is promised in life. And if you can do something to benefit you five years later, 10 yeah. years later, even a week, a month later, then why not do it? Like yeah. you, you should maximize your happiness. Oh, 100%, 100%. And so whatever you can do to kind of find joy, I'm also all about, without sounding like cheesy, but like I'm all about um, 
like, I mean, and this is a very simplified version of like understanding it's like, but we all have like the power to choose within reason. Okay. Like, but we all have like the power to choose and we can choose to like do things that like make us happy. We can choose to like explore and like maybe try something new. And it's all about getting outside of our comfort zones. And it could be literally as simple as, and I use this example all the time. Maybe you always go to the same coffee shop. It's a coffee shop. Like who cares? One day you do something else and you're like, oh, wow. I tried something different. I tried a lavender oat latte, which by the way, that to me tastes like bath water, but Hey, I did something different. And now I learned, but it's like, it's again, it's getting outside of your comfort zone. So it's finding these little things that can just like inspire you. Um, and, and you can get outside of your comfort zone within like a four block radius of your house. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> that to no. me is always like a, an interesting way to kind of just like shift things up a little bit. But remembering that you ultimately have the you you have the power of choice. You can choose to be happy. You can choose to do different things, and maybe not make a monumental change because I can understand that that can be daunting at times. Mm-hmm. But you can choose to make incremental changes towards a bigger change. Also, uh, well, that just also sparked something else that I thought about that. Sometimes, not all the time, but I notice with myself, I don't know if this has happened for you, that when you change your routine slightly, like those end up being the days or the moments where you run into an opportunity or something new will happen for you. And you be like, hold up. Because I, instead of going to the same coffee shop that you go to all the time, like I've heard stories where someone went to a different coffee shop and in that coffee shop, they met their wife or like they mm-hmm. met someone that got them a new job or a new opportunity. So totally. it's like just that slight change of routine sometimes changes. Or if you normally go to the grocery store at 6 p.m., you go at 9 and you avoid something that was supposed to happen at 6 p.m. It's just crazy how that works in my mind. Oh, it's so crazy. And that's why it's like, so when you think about that and, and you're like, what is that? These are such minor changes. But again, these minor changes can add up to make a bigger change in the long run. So, because I know people feel in, in general, you know, humans have a hard time with change. We, we crave consistency, but, um, but, and then there's obviously, you know, many of us that like change as well too, but in general, you know, we all crave a sort of consistency, but by implementing these little changes into your life, it's amazing how you, it can make a difference. So I love that you brought that up as well too, but I totally, I see that happen all the time, even for myself. Like I was supposed to be in town this week and it's like, I'm now flying to New York for two days and coming back. And I'm like, I know that because I'm going to New York for like two days, which is kind of crazy, but it's like, uh, because I'm being based in LA, but it's like literally going across the country for two days. <laughs> but I mean, like that's also like my life. So I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna go to an event, say hi to some family members, and like peace out. Um, because I have to be back here to film something next weekend. And so, but I know that in those two days, it's for for a lack of sounding weird, but it's like it shifts the energy. It shakes up the energy, and then next thing you know, like I'm probably gonna get a call or an email on one of those days or shortly thereafter and like a new opportunity is going to come up just because of like literally changing stagnant energy around you and I know that sounds like a little bit weird but it's like 
but it, but it, it happens. I see it happen, not just to me, but to other people as well, too. All right. I got one more question before we okay. get to the game that I want to play and then wrap this whole thing up. Sure. I'm very curious about this. It just came to my mind. So you're the travel expert, you know, as a concierge, but when you travel, when you take trips, yeah, how do you go about that? Oh, okay. So I love this. I think I spent so because I spent so much of my life organizing stuff for other people, I fly by the seat of my pants. Like I like all I need is like my my flight, like how I'm getting to and from the airport and where I'm staying. Everything else, I wing it. I I don't I like really I don't care really because I don't that I don't not that I don't care, but it's like for me it's like and obviously there are times where certain things need to be planned out a bit more, but um to me it's like in those moments where things aren't planned, that's when the good stuff happens. That's and so true. I would even I would always tell like travelers this, like when travelers would come, I would be like the rule of threes when it comes to travel, uh, to traveling and planning your trip, you never want to book more than three things in a day. So let's say you're mm. a foodie and you want to get like your dinner, your reservations in at the restaurant fair, you book your lunch and your dinner and then one activity. Let's say you want to do a lot of activities. Maybe you book two activities, a morning activity, an afternoon activity, and then a dinner reservation. And I say this so that a, it gives you some structure. We need, we need some structure. Mm-hmm. You know where you're sleeping at night. Okay, I get it. <laughs> I get yeah. it. Some people can wing that. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's I want to know where. It's a little too risky. It's a little too risky. I need to know where I'm gonna drop off my bag. Okay, we're yeah. good. Um, but but by having some structure, but then room to like play or like figure things out, that is like where the stuff happens. And so, for me, and, and even sometimes like when I go on these trips that are planned for me. I'll like briefly look at the itinerary just so I like know like what to wear, you know, so I'm like, okay, I'm addressing appropriately. Um, and then aside from that, I'm like, all right, cool. We'll figure it out. Take me to an alpaca farm. I'll learn all about alpacas. Like, oh my God, I don't need to, why do I need to research alpacas before I get there? They impress me when I get there. Right? That's like a stupid thing to say, but, um, or like even like different destinations. Like I went to Nicaragua a year and a half ago and I was like, okay, Nicaragua was not on my list of top, I don't know, not even top 25 lists of places to go to. Like I was like, Nicka who? <laughs> when they called me, I was like, okay. And of, of course I said, yes. Um, by the way, it was probably one of the most magical trips of my life. Like we went and we explored volcanoes. We did like all sorts of incredible things. And it was like, because I said yes, but like, I just like went with it. Now, not everybody can do that, but when I travel, I, I'm all about going with the flow just because it's like, at the end of the day, like, what? how lucky am I? Like, how lucky are we? Like, we get to be yeah. here in this moment, in this time, where we have food, we have a, a roof over our head and everything else is just like icing. Yeah. But it's also at the end of the day, it's all about the company you keep. And I even said this this week and I actually did a post of it. Um, that like we've all experienced fancy things and fancy things are great but at the end of the day it, it is the company that you keep that really means the most so yeah i would i would agree i mean it's it's kind of like that quote when they say uh you are the average of your five best friends so it's, oh, it's yeah. a similar principle similar principle 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's about like kind of like leveling up. And I think this is more of like um appreciating this the simple things. Okay. Yeah, I get yeah. that. I get that. All right. Now for my favorite part of every Ooh. episode, the game. Okay. So the game I want to play with you is a rankum game. Okay. Right? So I want you to rank your top five accomplishments or things that you want to accomplish whether it be travel tv anything like that thus far oh so what i have accomplished thus far or it could be something that you 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 say hey i think i'm accomplished this you know one day or somewhere in the future and you want to put it on the list you could put that on the list as well okay fine i'll go ready <laughs> yeah so you go five to one or one to five it don't matter to me okay I, well, I, I, I don't know if I'll put them exactly in order, but All we'll, right. we'll be that, that's, that involves like concentration uh, <laughs> um, or organization. Uh, it would be um, having a successful uh, travel show on TV um, mm. and also producing one as well too, but that's definitely one of them. Um, the other would be writing three books. So first book is out. I got two more that I definitely want to do. Um, I already have my idea for the second topic, but I know my third one will come. So I want to have okay, that okay. be at least like manifestations. Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, da, 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 accomplished so far. Um, this will be simple, but this is I think a lot of people will relate to making that change from leaving the day job to being an entrepreneur. I was freaking proud of myself for doing that. That was a big thing to do. And it was really hard to do. It's scary to take off the training wheels um, of, you know, but doing that, I'm really proud that I did that. And I have moments all the time where I'm like, I'm doing this, but it's hard. It's hard, you know, but it's simple, but it is something that it's like every day I'm reminded of. I'm so grateful for it. Um, got, okay. I got two more. I got two more. Uh, uh, um, I always proud of any time that, and I, we did touch on this earlier, anytime that I'm able to inspire some sort of change in somebody else, positive change, always, that is like a huge, huge thing and motivating factor for me. Um, and then number five, this, maybe this would be like a number one thing down the line. We're going to manifest this. Okay. I, um, and I bet you're not going to expect this. I really, um, I'd love to be a, uh, unite a UN goodwill ambassador. So United Nations goodwill ambassador and basically kind of be a sort of, um, you know, figure to kind of help uh, different causes uh, around the world that, that need to have more attention brought to them. So yeah, those are my things. <laughs> Did anybody take notes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm gonna be able to, I mean, this is recorded, obviously, I'm gonna go through and be like, all right, boom, boom, boom. Okay. And the down the line, let's say four or five years later, I'm like, Sarah, so how how are we looking? How are we looking? Are we, how are we working on the, the UN? I'm, good, I'm just walking into the UN right now, okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to you, all right? <laughs> no, I'm mean, I'm not surprised, you know, big goals for a big personality. And before we wrap up this show, I do want to say after following you all this time for months and seeing your energy about, you know, for what you do, it's been great to actually talk to you at length. So 
appreciate you being on the show today. Of course. Thank you for having me. I know um, I'm a little bit goofier in real life than maybe that's, I come across. That's online. fine. That's fine. I'm I'm the same way. So <laughs> I appreciate, Whoa. you know, the idiosyncrasies, the quirks, all of that. Yeah. Now, people are always are like, man, you come across so polished and this and you're knowledgeable. And then they're like, you're freaking weird. And I'm like, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I was like, I take it as a compliment. Exactly. 100% a compliment for sure. So definitely, definitely, definitely. Cool, cool, cool. Well, that's all I have for you on this week's episode of the Jack of All Trades pod. Make sure you check out the next episode, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Jack Onovan on Twitter at Inside380. Also, check out my book, my baby, Jack of All Trades, Rise of a Party Promoter. I'm working on the sequel as we speak. I don't know when that's going to come out to you because I might have to push it back, but it's, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. Also, I'm going to put Sarah's info in the bio as well. But as you already know, it's at as a concierge. Yeah, and that's it. LA out. Hey.